This is Joe Cole, and you're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon, my host, Nick and Dan. And gentlemen, we got the Brighton match review. Uh, the woulda, coulda, shoulda, this thing could have gone three different ways, Nick, but we end up on top. And so uh, it'll be a little bit more jovial of a, of a review. But I tell you what, didn't I thought this was going to be your night. <laughs> thought, thought it was going to be my night. Okay. Um, look, I, I don't, yeah, there, there's so much in this one. It was... You know, I think maybe even more shithouse than the city game a couple of weeks ago. So we, we will discuss everything that went into it. But of course, uh, you know, we, we have to do it the right way, BB. We have to get started with uh, with the people's thoughts. Most definitely. Uh, so, Dan, we'll kick it off with the three-word match review. Uh, I teed it up. So hopefully it, if it didn't go off well, that is 100% on me. But it, we've got submissions. I, I feel pretty good. Look, you did such a good job that Roberto Deserbi in the press conference after the game participated in the three-word match review. Phenomenal. Even yeah. Pochettino hasn't done, done that yet. So kudos to you, Deserbi, because your three-word match review was, we're still Brighton. Big facts. And the context is, we have big ambition, but we are still Brighton. Boom. Let's go. Anyway, from the actual listeners and supporters of the podcast, we Mr. Thurman with best worst match, classic 86K with disorderly chaotic Chelsea. Chris L with survived the stupidity. Five takes on the five stripes with we lack discipline. Discipline. The Arnold's uh, kindergarten cop type of quote. We lack discipline. <laughs> Grizz with the poor Paw Patrol. Jason with the Captain My Captain. Again, a lot of you know, film and movie references in this one. So again, great job by you, Brandon. Def Jokes Daddy with the Brighton Soul Snatched. Nate with the Chelsea Minus One. A little nod to a movie drop this weekend from Godzilla. Um, and then Birds Aren't Real from Mike Williams, <laughs> which is always a great one. It's a great nod. Playing Brighton. Yeah, I think, look, th there was a lot in there. And it's fun when you've got such a such a good amount to react to. Nick, what about you? What did you have? Well, it's the holiday season, so I went with Flip the Birds. <laughs> that's that's how I feel about them. That's how I feel about Deserby. And I'm very glad that uh, since he should have this last year that we have not lost him in preseason or in the cup matches or in the Premier League this season. I, I absolutely true. Uh, Dan, what about you? Look, I know we're a Chelsea podcast, but my three-word match review is FSU got jobbed. Um, <laughs> look, I just need to put it in there real quick that the college uh, playoff selection committee uh, absolutely lost the plot. Not not unlike Craig Pawson in this game. There There is a connection here we can draw to Chelsea. And almost, uh, Chelsea was almost more chaotic than what they did today. So, uh, you know, look, uh, at kids' table, at kids table is uh i think where brighton is they're at the kids table they're not ready to be part of the elite in the premier league is my real one which the good news for us is we can say at least we've been there because right now it's not where we are but it felt good hey look i already spoiled this if you were following the thread on twitter i said uh little brother brighton thank you come again it's been fun know your role we move on we've got bigger better things happening for us um, but before we get into it, obviously, we want to shout out to everybody in our amazing community. Uh, for those of you who haven't, please share a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. They really, really do help us climb the charts and get seen by other Chelsea fans such as yourself. Subscribe. Hit the bell notification on YouTube. We're putting all the pods there. So if you want to see me rock my DeFoot shirt, I've got the London Blue 
uh, winter hat Knicks rocking the Chelsea Christmas jumper. It is well worth it because you should see the amount of eye rolls that happens in one of these things. <laughs> and then lastly, uh, jump on Discord, one of the best communities we have. Uh, there are free channels, so if you just want to check it out, link in the description. If you want to get signed up, we got three, five, ten dollar tiers as well with a bunch of extra content. And then make sure you subscribe. The London is Blue Dispatch, CFC Central. Sam writes those every single week. They drop on Wednesdays, maybe Thursdays. Either way, they are fantastic. You are missing out if you're not plugged in, so do that. All right, time for the match. It was bright in this past Sunday. The 3rd of December, we have arrived. Uh, Premier League action at the bridge, in case you missed it. Chelsea 3, Brighton 2. Uh, exciting thrilling kickoff to this one. Enzo in the 17th minute. Um, we're at getting the, the opener. You had Levi Cole in the 21st minute. Buonanotte uh, pulled one back right for a half. Enzo on the double from the penalty spot. We'll talk a lot about that. And then João Pedro in the 92nd made it a little bit uncomfortable towards the end. So thank you to the fifth stand, the only official app from Chelsea FC for sharing the highlights. Relive it. Make sure you download the app and we'll be right back. Okay, the three centre-halves likely targets here. Buddy Ashilu got there. Oh, he's trying to bring it down. Did well to hook it over, and it's headed in by Enzo Fernandez, who has his first Premier League goal. Again, he thumped it. Jackson got his head to it. Oh, and is that in? Cleared off the line first time. Goal given. Levi Colwell's first ever for Chelsea. Managed to work it through for Lalana. He's found Buenonote. Good numbers forward here for Brighton. Buenonote bends in a beauty. And Brighton are back in it. Conor Gallagher's going to go off here. And it's all going wrong for Chelsea before half time. Great take from Robert Sanchez. Just what his team needed there. And he releases it quickly. And here goes Sterling, Jackson ahead of him. Managed to find him as well. Here's Mudrick now, brilliant counter-attack. Mikhailo Mudrick or Milner challenged him. Chelsea save penalty. Steele is down. Yeah, I mean, it can't be given, I don't think, for the arm. It's the collision of the legs. It has been given. 3-1 Chelsea, no problem. Straight down the middle. Straight beyond steel. Oh, that's gone in. Brighton have got another goal back. Brighton not finished yet. Come on, referee, blow your whistle. Finally, the game is over. And Chelsea have claimed a brilliant victory against Brighton. All right, Dan, line up time. Sweet, sweet music. I will say... Sam and I got the back line right. Just FYI. We knew exactly where this was going. Did it was Sam, Robert Sanchez. Are you just piggybacking or? No, we, we discussed this together. We came up with a unified 11. Thank you very much. But it was Robert Sanchez between the sticks. Axel DeSassi, that's right, as right back. Levi Cole as left back. That's right, four center backs across the back line with Benoit Badia-Shield and Thiago Silva making up the four. It was Enzo Fernandez, Moises Caicedo, and Connor Gallagher with your midfield combo. Mikhailo Mudrik and Raheem Sterling on the wings with Nico Jackson up in the central striker spot. 
Cole Palmer, Ian Motson, and Armando Broya all made appearances. Bergstrom, Gilchrist, Matos, Washington, Medaweke, and Petrovic did not make an appearance off the bench today. Ooh, the first time you didn't say Petrovic. You've done so well. I was uh. waiting. <laughs> Hats off to you as well. Uh, look, some of the top-line stats, what you want to see is the big chances. We had two. Uh, are you saying we converted two? You're, you're chopping off my stats here, Dan. So it was interesting. They didn't actually list the, the chances if they were converted. However, looking back at the XG on the shots, they were they were not technically the ones that we converted other than the, the penalty because the penalty is like a 0.8. So that one is a one for one. Uh, the other ones did not have a very high XG behind them. Gotcha. I found them here. Okay, so we had a 2.11 XG to their 1.14. Uh, it looks like we had 32% possession. Does that sound right? I guess you're down a man for 55 minutes, right? We probably gave yeah, them the ball. Heavily, heavily skewed in the second half. For, for sure. sure. It was it was a 43-57 split in the first, and the second half it went 21-79. to 79. So, yes. Very understandable. Absolutely enjoyed it in the second half. So we had eight shots, five on target. Great conversion rate. They had 18 shots, nine on target. Um, from there, we had a 16 fouls to their 12, which meant we got five cautions to their five. I think I went, if you guys missed it on Twitter, I said, what's the over-under on cautions? Because Sam was tweeting that we were leading the Premier League table in cautions. I think I put the line at 50, and we definitely went over on 50 cautions for the season just in this match alone. Um, from there, we had three big chances, missed only one of them. How about that? You heard me correctly. Three big chances, two converted to goals. You absolutely love to see it. And then we had seven saves to there too, which meant that Sanchez uh, saved 0.76 worth of goals while Steele had negative 0.95, which uh, was quite happy with. So anyways, um, that's some of the high-level stuff. Again, just to set the scene before we dive into it, we do have the one random stat from Adopta Joe saying, one, Enzo Fernandez has scored his first Premier League goal in his 31st appearance and from his 43rd shot in the competition. Before today, he had attempted more shots than any player without a goal in the Premier League this season with 22 finally Nick burden off the shoulders and he scored a header <laughs> that's the funny part isn't it I mean I think that is you know he's this incredibly skillful guy with his feet and he you know gets a free header uh, right at the at the edge of the area and just just buried it and yeah you, you feel really good for him obviously he had to do a lot today obviously buried the penalty um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, let's just hope, you know, the dam breaks and he's able to start putting them in because, you know, you need goals from everywhere in this league. All right. Well, I had teeing you up here at the MPET shithouse moment of the match. Did you have any, did anything register for you today? There was, a, there was a lot in here and, and I'm, Topping I mean, down the list, the selection committee of Nick Verlaney had to find <laughs> a way to get down to only four. Somehow the fifth and the sixth ones are going to be the people's favorite. Somehow Florida State did not make it, Dan, and I'm sorry about that. Um, look, I, I I recall, too, I'm sure you guys can help me out, Phil, any other spots, but uh, end of the game, <laughs> there was a little skirmish. Um, it, there were some unhappy Brighton players. Uh, they were confronting the referee. I didn't see any cards get shown, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, and then Wes Fafana 
in the middle of the melee, I think jumps on uh, old Batty Shields back uh, right in front of, I couldn't tell who is the Brighton guy in the jacket, um, but it was, it was a, uh, it was a moment of confrontation. West was just kind of goofing around and Batty Shields just shoved him back. Uh, so I thought that was really great. That was the little shit house. And then D made a huge block and got up in front of, I don't know if it was Matoma or if it was one of their other wingers, but he got up with a big roar and like pounded his chest. And I was like, that is not a guy I would want to screw around with too much. So, uh, look, I think both of those were great. Um, there were probably some other ones though. I'll open up the floor to both of you. Okay. So I think the one you missed is Colwell's goal celebration, right? He goes to celebrate and he's like, you know what? I was on loan. So I'm, I'm going to hold up. I'm going to halt that a minute. But Caicedo's jumping in the air and doing like the underhanded like fist pump thing. Phenomenal. That is absolutely perfect. No notes. Great job by him. There was definitely uh, plenty Caicedo on the border of getting sent off all match. I think oh, set me to God. the shithouse <laughs> penalty box. You know, the sin bin that they're thinking uh. about testing. Um, but no, I, th- I think that, uh, a-, a lot of tackles just in general, uh, on both sides, which was, was definitely fun to see, uh, the Brighton fans were shithousing Gall- Gallagher's. He got sent off pretty hard, but you'd expect that from, from them. So anyways, we look, we have a lot to get through. So let us go ahead and take our first ad break. When we get back, uh, we're jumping right in to the calamity and character of this Chelsea team. Thank the sponsors and we'll be right back. What is going on Chelsea fans? Exciting announcement. Uh, we have joined up with Team Manscaped again for this holiday season. That's right, we are back with Manscaped. I know how much you love their ads before, so we are going to partner up with them again this holiday season. If you're looking for a gift to upgrade your daily care routine, right? Check out the brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. That's right. We got the the new one here. So as you are used to uh, with these trimmers, it is skin safe technology. We got the dual head system, waterproof. You can use it in the shower, uh, USB-C, quick charge option, dual temp LED spotlight, and it's got a travel lock. So the kit that we are recommending you get is the 5.0 Ultra, comes with the razor itself, comes with two of the combs, and then it also comes with the foil blade. You've got all options here that comes with it. Now check this thing out. It is built great, nice and sturdy, good weight to it. You can hear, you got some good RPMs in there. Check out the light for those of you on YouTube. That's right, you got two different uh, brightnesses on there that you have. Uh, the other reason we love Manscaped is that uh, they are part of the Testicular Cancer Society, right? They save balls. They're all about helping men uh, with their daily grooming routines as well as what they're going through life. So we appreciate them and everything they do. Check it out. Again, Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Link in the description. Check it out. Link in the description. Let them know that you came to them through London is Blue so that they can continue a partnership with us. Check them out. All right. Uh, hey, real quick, uh, Nick, pivot to you. Uh, Spotify rap drop. And turns out people kind of like us. They do. And and we know that a lot of people listen on other platforms, but you know, Spotify Wrapped is always fun every year. And so many people tagged us in their screenshots that they were able to upload from Spotify. It was a lot of fun last week. If you still have those and you haven't done it yet, please continue to do that. But that was pretty rad. And we appreciate everyone who uh, who shared those. 
We have a bunch of podcasts coming up. The next two weeks are chock-a-block full of podcasts, uh, you guys, including, of course, you're listening to the Brighton uh, Match Review today. There's a Blue Royalty mailbag coming this week and an Arsenal preview coming from them as well. Uh, you United Match Preview, Dan and Sam, uh, tomorrow, and the United Match Review coming Thursday. So tons of content this week, and then two weeks in a row of five-plus podcasts after that. So... Tis the season indeed for podcasts, and uh, you know where to come for, for all your action. That is the London is Blue podcast. All right, Calamity and Character kicking it off. Chelsea clearly just can't do anything the normal way. Chaos and trophies, you know it. Um, look, it's it's just another regular match against Brighton. Dan, we the I, Elizabeth came down late, and she was kind of like, oh, how's it going? And then we're on the way, and she was like asking about Brighton because there was a lot of history. I was like trying to connect all the dots, and there's so many that it actually kind of gets confusing, right? And so there is this... I guess just natural beef, you know, rivalry, which is not really a rivalry, um, between Brighton that just adds more of this dynamic to these matches. And it was on full display, even in the pre-match with Pascal Gross talking about Chelsea spending their way. It's they're in Europa League. And it's just like, oh, careful talking before the match. <laughs> like, it's hard to come back from that. This is, this is not a real rivalry. Like, I think we just, let's just be clear. Like, this is Biff versus, like, Marty McFly type of stuff. Like, there's not really a rivalry there. Like, it's one person who, like, meandered their way to a solution, got lucky once or twice, but then ultimately ends up failing in the end anyway. Um, this is the situation where we are reasserting our dominance, even in the midst of being in absolute chaos in what we do in this match and not necessarily being as disciplined as we need to be, making it absolutely damn harder for ourselves than it never needs to be because we just like playing it on hard mode. And for whatever reason, flipping into hard mode just seemingly triggers this team or activates some type of synaptic response, Nick, where we see this team galvanize and get behind putting in a shift that if we had lost, I would have wanted the exact same coverage that Tottenham got against us with playing down nine people and getting Brave. a moral victory of the day. Like Bravery. This, this was a good game. This was a good game that Chelsea played. They were better even with one less player on the pitch than Brighton were the entirety of the day. Yeah, there's I couldn't. A, I was going to say, to play off that, Nick, there was a, a Brighton fan that Dan Sills quote tweeted, and the Brighton fan was like, I'm so proud of this, right? Because he called it a cup final. Like, where where are we at levels here? Like, when you hear these funny things, at least in my opinion, it's like they were shitting all over us this summer. Deserby enjoying every press conference in, on in the United States. And now we get to the Premier League, and then this is what happens. I bring it all. They're still Keep in Europa coming. League. It's like, that's what you should be focused on. Don't focus on the Chelsea match. Focus on going and winning your damn games and getting anywhere near a cup, a European cup. Well, I mean, since those press conferences, they've uh, won fuck all against us. So I think that's really interesting. And and look, I mean, I, I would agree with Dan. This is not a, it's not a rivalry. The teams are intertwined due to a lot of cash exchanging hands and players moving and stuff like that. But, you know, this is not, this is not a real rivalry. I don't. You know, it's like the I don't think about you at all sort of elevator meme from from Mad Men. I mean, this is a this is a an organization that is trying to punch above their weight. I, you know, can respect how they're doing it and, and trying to find kind of bargain buys all over the world. And, you know, Tony Bloom's storing his cash in a vault for some unknown reason. But, 
these these guys are are small time, and Chelsea are big time. Uh, we're European champions twice. I'm not sure if anyone knows that, and you know we're trying to rebuild this team in a way that is sustainable for the future, and we're trying to make sure that the team has some youth in it. We're trying to you know Poch is trying to make a style um, come to life in a way, and I think the the first thing that I would take away from this game is that. You know, when when Dan mentioned earlier incorrectly, like there was bravery out there all day, especially down to 10 men. That is a huge difference from when we played them last year and and got rocked a couple of times where it wasn't even close. We were chasing shadows. We were into these guys all day. It was a real war out there. And honestly, you know, it, it was a lot of fun to watch, you know, if you're a neutral it, it was terrible to watch as a Chelsea fan for all the obvious reasons that we'll talk about, but you start to see in these moments, like we saw at city or versus city at home and, and all this sort of stuff that like this team is building into something. They're certainly not there yet. There's certainly a lot of cracks to fill from the last couple of years of, of nonsense. But I think the mentality, I tweeted this at halftime. Uh, I think Brandon retweeted from the pod account. They had an opportunity at halftime to show real character and to come out with a win. And they fucking did. They, they did. And credit to them. We do it the hardest, dumbest way, but we did. And, I, and I'm proud of the team for that. Thank you for outing me for running socials today. Uh, <laughs> it would have been easier if, if less people knew. But you're right. I did. I did retweet. Um, at BB uh, Busby with, <laughs> with all the personal reviews of his performance. Oh my God, the VAR. I just, I think at one point I tweeted penalty question mark, question mark, like three different moments. Cause I was just so confused. Um, today, I think the defense was, was pretty ex, you know, exciting, uh, for them in the sense of, um, having to withstand and absorb so much pressure. Normally defense is your back for a goalkeeper today. It really encompasses, uh, the outfield players in front of them, especially in the midfield as well, and everybody tracking back. I mean, playing playing down a man for 55 minutes is is brutal. Uh, it's about as brutal as when Opta Analyst uh, tweets out that Connor Gallagher is the first Chelsea player to be sent off in the first half of a Premier League game since Connor Gallagher in August 22. <laughs> um, but but if you talk about the defense, they, they had to step up, and we had no wingbacks, right? If we if we put that you know into contention, Reese James sent off. Uh, Cucurella suspended. Um, and so you've got big man DeSassi on the right, big man Levi Cole on the left, and Batty Shield and Silva in the middle. And I was pretty worried about this going into it. I was worried about our flanks and and how, you know, well will we defend out in the flanks. But at the end of it, I think that uh, obviously Buenonote got his goal against Colwell, um, but Adingra minus putting one in Rosette. Um, he was tricky out there, right? And and thankfully they managed well. So, uh, Dan, you can have your pick out of a lot of it, right? Uh, Levi Colwell um, scoring, but also at fault on the first goal. Silva, no wingbacks. Like, how are you? How are you looking at this one? I, I mean, I thought you'd want me to go to Sanchez first, who had a big day too. I think he, you know, he was uh, he, he was a bob today, absolutely. Um, but since you gave me the pick of the litter, I will go particularly to DeSauci because I think he was the most out of position of that entire grouping, right? Benoit Betty Shield, Thiago Silva, 
you know, ha- can develop a, a bond quickly, but also are, are both kind of naturally playing in that center back role. Levi Colwell, again, playing left back role that he's been accustomed to. Dizassi has played right back before. So like that is not uncommon. Actually, we thought maybe you would have seen Badishio and Silva swap because Benoit and Dizassi have played together before in a, you know, left or sorry, right center back and right back pairing. So that would have been interesting. Didn't end up happening. That's okay. I thought it was great. I, I think that he did well from an aerial perspective for six aerial duels. One did good on the ground, three out of six, the one block shot, uh, the five clearances. I, I just thought that out of all the performances, I think he drew a really tough assignment on that side. And it was, he was under pressure all day long, particularly because Raheem was getting so far forward and trying to make space for us that it meant that Caicedo was, who was having to cover up everything, right? Because that midfield got really big for very few people. Once Connor Gallagher got sent off that I like DeSauce, was playing it. If he was, if, if we were playing on hard mode, he was playing on extra hard for a lot of the match. And I think it's a credit to him, Nick, but I, I think all of them are worthy of praise on the day. Well, Mitoma went to his side, a Dingra switched. And so, yeah, he had, he had no breaks at all. Yeah, big shouts to DeSauce. Again, I thought he was uh, in a really tough spot and acquitted himself uh, relatively well. Obviously got helped late on by Matson coming in and kind of taking some of the initial sting out of what Matoma was doing, which I thought was a really smart sub from Poch. But I have to look at Batty Ashiel. I, I mean, I thought after a very bad performance um, – <laughs> against Newcastle by everybody, but particularly I thought he looked incredibly rusty. Um, He came back today and was a man possessed. Um, He looked back to his kind of calm, confident ways. He won a lot of uh, kind of aerial balls. He had eight clearances, uh, a lot. They had a lot of corners. I mean, he was, it seemed to be everywhere. He obviously gets the assist on the first goal. Um, and, you know, blocks a shot as well. I just thought his presence, Brandon, to me, was immense on a day where we really needed it. I mean, we're playing this big back line, which, you know, Pep made famous during uh, City's run into the treble last year. But, you know, these are different profiles of player, right? I mean, you you have a lot of different guys in there. Colwell and, and Batty Shield didn't really have a great working relationship in the last match, to say the least. Um, but I thought today they looked a lot more confident playing next to each other. The spacing was better. And I just thought Batty Shale was, was excellent, which, you know, I think leaves you either Tiago Silva, which would be tremendous, uh, to talk about or, uh, Levi Colwell. So take your pick of the letter. Well, I think, look, I, I, it's at least worth mentioning Silva's stats because God, Newcastle was not that long ago. Um, that back pass, the horror show, how many articles and how many tweets were sent in the last six days of, is it time for Chelsea to move past Tiago Silva, right? And then I think it was an inopportune time to drop the interview of Potch saying that, yeah, Silva will be a coach. Um, it's kind of like Mighty Ducks where Charlie's already realized he's passed it as like a 12-year-old. <laughs> but we're talking about Tiago Silva here. And he rebounded magnificently. 10 clearances, three out of four ground duels won, three out of three aerial duels won, and he had the last man tackle, uh, stepped into the box and, and made that just in, ever important interception towards the end, right, when there was a cutback. 
he was magnificent today. Um, and, and so it's worth reading those stats out uh, just when you kind of look across the board what he did. Um, then you get the eye test, the leadership, things like that. And, and they were really good. So I think, you know, obviously a lot of people are going to be a little bit embarrassed, you would hope, uh, after some of the things that they said. Um, because Tiago, again, wasn't today the day that he became the oldest outfield player or defender to play in the Premier League? So what a day to have yourself a day. And, uh, he, he made it, he made it up there. What, what a day for Colwell to get his first Chelsea goal after having many opportunities to have done that so far. Um, especially waiting for the right time. And, and it did. It, it was the exact right time. Uh, you know, I was texting my buddy Joe, and he was like, man, I'm pretty nervous for this match. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I think everyone's nervous for every match right now because you don't know what Chelsea you're going to get. When his goal goes in, you start to shift the, w- the way that you're thinking about the game. And obviously, there are other moments to come that may shift your uh, thinking back to, to where you started. But great for him to get a goal. I thought that, you know, again, he... Uh, was dealing with different personnel on the left. He was obviously fielding a lot of different sorts of challenges that were coming at him, especially as they pinned us back in the second half. And, you know, again, him and, and Batty Shield interacting um, much better in this match than they did previously. Again, still some sloppy play across the back line, but in general, down a man, a lot of pressure, a pretty good and offensive clinical passing team in Brighton. I thought this this group did relatively well. And... You know, you needed it after Newcastle. I mean, it was a shambles across the board, and this is a tough team to play off the back of that. And they really seem to come together and gel, um, you know, despite not having a real left back or a real right back. It's it's just weird, right? This team up, down, up, down, inconsistent. Um, you know, it. It, it you just want some consistency from this group, but also like you would imagine Malagusta coming back, Reese James coming back, Disasi. Like there's going to be other decisions that have to be made. But again, amazing from this group to be able to kind of step in and and handle this. Um, I thought Sanchez, uh, you know, on the first goal from Buenonote, hey, well played, such a good hit, um, created the space to get it off. The second goal that just made me mad, right? Watching him flick it behind him, not even facing the goal and nestle it in the backside of the goal, frustrating, but especially late in the game when it was raining, uh, he held things where I don't know if he would have held it earlier in the season. And, you know, one rebound, boom, just like that, you're a 3-3. And so I was just really happy with the way he um, kind of stepped up at the end, making saves, holding things, and uh, getting us over the line, especially because, you know, he's a Brighton reject. Even though the fans wanted to boo it every time he got it, as if he left them, like, give me <laughs> give me a break. You guys booted him out. Um, it was uh, it was a good day for him. I was interested to see how the, the Brighton boys did, right, with Levi, uh, with Moises, and with Sanchez. And they didn't seem rattled. Moises, maybe, if anybody. But, um, no, I thought I thought Sanchez did really well. Yeah, I, w- I would say this, too. Bel- belated should have some moment of the match after where he went and shushed the Brighton fans and waved at them. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. You know what? Honestly, you know, that might have been my favorite of the bunch. That was that was pretty nice. And and look, the, you know, the Chelsea team is putting out some really great, you know, kind of post-match content. I thought the two best tunnel videos that they put out were Sanchez. Uh, when he came down, he just looked like he was on top of the world. And and Mudrik, who who just seemed so uh, elated, you know, for, for you know, the game-winning penalty that, that he ended up winning. So, 
you know, again, content's coming out. The team's doing really well. You know, I'm, I'm happy about, you know, that for Sanchez too, because you know, again, four goals go in the back of your net the week before. And it's like, oof, we back to this again. Good, good performance from him, especially late. All right. Um, anything else you want to wrap with Dan on, on any of the other people since, you know, I cornered you into going first, I figure you could have a chance to rebut here. No, I mean, again, you can't find much fault on the day, given the fact that we rebounded in a tough moment and showed the appropriate resolve. So we should all be very proud of the way that they played and realize that this is also just one game and they have to do this consistently, uh, hopefully with 11 players on the pitch and not 10. Yeah, consistency, uh, the the bogey word there. So, all right, we're going to take our last break. When we get back, midfield, VAR, and so much more. Thank you to the sponsors. We'll be right back. All right, as promised, uh, how about midfielding, right? An organizational failure, tough Mid- on the midfielding day. Midfielding is, okay, interesting. It's a interesting. verb today. Yep. Uh, we had obviously our big dollar midfielders making their mark uh, in very different ways, right? So, Dan, I know you, you wanted to bury the lead here, but I think we should just talk about Connor, right? Right out the gate. Um, I put it second because I thought we needed, like, I thought Enzo had such a good day that he deserved the headline. Right. But I, I just think every, you know, I, I alluded to Connor. We obviously got to talk about it. Editorial decision there. Okay. Everybody's we, we gotta waiting talk about it. for yeah. Connor. So, uh, with your permission, thank you. Permission granted. Um, <laughs> Connor Gallagher, obviously, uh, I don't know. I had the flashback. I don't know if you guys did too. I was thinking Lester when he got sent off and I'm like, nope, he's captain. That was before we're going to be good. The tackle went in. I wanted to defend it. I couldn't defend it. Sent off missing United midweek. Um, it's just, it the, and it was right after we scored, Nick. So I'm like, what else? What else could we possibly do in this five-minute span uh, to make it even worse? And thankfully, we didn't concede. Um, but Connor has done so much good this season. This obviously is a setback. It's the easiest stick with which to hit him with. Um, how are you kind of taking all this in for Connor? Yeah, I'm, I'm super disappointed. He obviously was not very good against Newcastle. I thought that he was more than anyone on the team up for this game today. I think he was really trying to win it back after a poor showing, which of course, like as a fan, seeing the lackadaisical performances that went in last year, like I appreciate the thought of what you're trying to do, but the game clearly got to him. Like there were challenges going in all over the field. I think that he was trying to assert his role in midfield and he let it go to his head and the tackles were fucking bad. They were just bad. I mean, there's no other way to look at them. It was a deserved red. It was a stupid red and he's going to have some time on the bench to think about it. Um, you know, and I think that that is what it is. Like if we're going to criticize Reese for the, for the card last week. We have to criticize Connor. That's your two captains that are available to play. You know, Ben Showell, obviously uh, not available to play that get red cards in back-to-back weeks. I mean, that's a discipline problem. That's not understanding how the game is flowing. That's not being a dark arts person. That's being stupid um, and not understanding the momentum of the game and, and where you are in that in that way. The issue is that outside of those two tackles, he was doing some incredible pressing work <laughs> in the first part of the game. And, like, I think if he would have stayed on, that we would have comfortably won this. Um which really sucks, but 
I saw some just outrageous takes about he's never going to play for Chelsea again or he shouldn't be captain ever again. Like, fuck off, people. Just fuck. He's been so good this year. Yes, he's had a couple of, of bad performances in a row, and obviously this is going to eat away at him. But, I mean, I think it's fair enough to say, dumb, let the game get to you learn from it, sit on the bench against United, the team that I'm sure you wanted to play and, and move on. Like these are, these are just the things that a young player has to go through. And, you know, I think it's fair to criticize, but it's like criticize within the context of this moment that we are in uh, the, the whole team has a discipline problem. So that's, that's where I stand on it. I mean, I don't think there's another place to stand on it unless you're Mauricio Pochettino and you're doing right by your player and saying that you don't believe it was a red card. I need to see it again. We need to understand the referees, but they need to understand us. And I, the way I would frame it is just Poch is taking care of his guy. He's going to give Connor the business, I would imagine, behind the scenes, but in the press, he's doing the right thing to protect his guy who did not have a good day. And I appreciate that um in the moment so I, I think that's all we have to say on Connor gallagher in this game the the one thing i did see which phil at chelsea youth responded to was cobham captain last week sent off cobham captain this week sent off you know it's the tackles are indefensible which he said um but let's not act like it's a cobham problem like maybe a lack of experience problem not a lack of effort, right? So I thought that was, you know, an easy cheap shot to take, uh, especially with, you know, our, if you look at our bench, we clearly need support. But Nick, you look perplexed. We have the most yellow cards in the league. Yes. That's not coming from Cobham. That's coming from every player. Sanchez got a yellow card for time wasting today. Which is the most probably rational of them all. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I agree. But like, it, it's across the board. There have yeah. been stupid challenges. Caicedo was lucky to stay on. I, like very lucky. I actually couldn't believe the second challenge. Like he got away with one after the yellow card, which I was like, Ooh, that's kind of dicey. The second one was a pure yellow card. Like it's not a Cobham problem. It's the entire team problem. And Pacha does have to sort this shit out because this is now a number of weeks in a row that we're missing people due to discipline issues. It started with Jackson at the start of the season and it's perpetuated all the way through, even to the coach uh, who missed the last match watching from the stands so, I, you know, it's it's a real problem. I mean, they have to sort this shit out, but it is not a Cobham problem. Correct. Uh, it was just one thing I saw and, and thought it was interesting enough. Um, all right, so push to, to Enzo, right, on this one. He stepped it up, right? Um, I am excited to talk to Matt Law and see what he thinks, especially if Enzo can put a couple around, right? He scored the goal in open play, stepped up to the pen, is it my understanding that he missed the last pen he took for Chelsea and then Cole Palmer took over? Correct. Correct. So it's West Ham big day out for him in that sense. Um, three shots, two goals, 1.35 XG. Um, did you guys see when he was dribbling towards the end of the match and just kind of little chip dinked it over the guy and just went right by him? Ah, uh, Dan. I will let you continue on the stats parade, or maybe you want to open up aperture a little bit and bring in some other some other ways to to break down Enzo's match. Oh, I mean, I think you can go with the patented Nick Verlaney eye test and say that on the day, the eye test for Enzo was as good as the stats were. And I think we've seen this season that sometimes he's had some great underlying stats, but the performance or his impact 
on the match has not felt large. Like he has not been able to cast a shadow uh, over the match. And in this one, he did. You know, from the initial goal, again, using the part of the body everybody thought he was going to use to score the goal, his head. Um, And then also stepping up and taking the penalty and converting it in the moment. Both really, really well done from him. So to get a brace in a game is fantastic as well. And yeah, I, I mean, distributed well was a bit of a menace to play against. And, you know, definitely probably could you know continue to work on the ground duels a little bit. But I mean, ultimately, this was a complete performance from him, Nick, whereas we've seen half performances or some good stats, but the team still loses. Like this was where he was on the pitch. He had a great performance. The team benefited and took advantage of his great performance. And we walked away with all three points. Yeah, I mean, obviously we talked about, you know, the goals and maybe getting that, you know, shaking that sort of like internal dialogue that he had with himself, not not being able to score goals. He had that kind of wonky goal in the in the League Cup earlier this year that was like kind of, you know, almost assisted in by the other team. The, these were these were real pressure moments. And, and in addition to that, I think I was more impressed with some of the work he was doing defensively, especially later on. He had a big job to do. I mean, Connor not being in there for 50, 60 minutes today meant that he had to do a lot of tracking back. He had to start a lot of counterattacks. He had to be a complete midfielder. He didn't just have like, you know, a, a single job to do. And I know that's just myopic in the way that I'm thinking about the different roles within the midfield. But uh, I really thought that he played well. And yeah, I think him converting that penalty is a big deal um, because, you know, it's it's nice to have options from a penalty perspective. Obviously, I don't I don't think Cole will just stop taking penalties from here on out because he's been really good. But, um, yeah, I think all of this is a confidence boost for him. And, you know, for for all of the talk about Enzo and, and I know, Brandon, you and Matt have talked about maybe he hasn't played like the hundred and five million pound player that that we bought. Today was one of those performances. Let's hope that he continues in this vein moving forward. Look, today was a statement day. Um, needed it. Uh, cold, wet, shitty day, too. And he was the general. So, um, again, no, all everyone wants to just see is more, right? And so hopefully this will be a bit of a, um, you know, a, a, a boost in that direction. Obviously, a ton of confidence. Hit the pen as well when it mattered. So um, super happy for him on the day, right? Uh, putting in the tackles as well, right? Putting in a defensive shift, that's something he hasn't wanted to or have to do. But I think today you really saw he was willing to buy in to get the result. And again, it kind of goes back to another point Matt said about that locker room selfie that was on Enzo's IG. Like, they're a group, they're a team. They do want to fight for each other. And, and again, Enzo's isn't, he's not like crazy old and experienced, right? Like we have a 22-year-old on our hands. He doesn't play like it. He's 22. And also, uh, on SofaScore, he was uh, the second highest rated player uh, in the match. So, decent. Good for him. Oh, you want to know who's first? I appreciate you guys asking. Uh, it was Sanchez. So Interesting. Well, what about Caicedo? Don't agree with that, but that's fine. Uh, it's numbers. Caicedo was up for this. <laughs> To say the least. <laughs> yeah, that, that may be underselling how much he wanted this result. Have you ever like brewed a strong pot of coffee, but then you had to go do something chill and you just can't sit still and you're just like bursting out of your skin? 
that was Moy today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Composure yeah. wasn't there. <laughs> it was effort all over the place, tons of effort. And, of and again, he had a real job to do um, in the second half when you know, we were getting pinned back and all that sort of stuff. Very surprised he wasn't taken off, but then you realize that on the bench, no Ukuchuku, obviously Lavi is still a little out. Connor's uh, been sent off, so I don't think we had a whole lot of options, but I was just fearing for the worst. I was fearing that we were going to go down to nine men. I think we were lucky that we didn't, but you know, I thought it was... I thought his performance, Dan, was like on the edge the entire time. And, I, you know, after not seeing that for a long time, I'm okay with it. It was the very definition of Chelsea, like this season, is just always almost a little too much at times, but maybe just enough to to create a little bit of, you know, complex chaos to avoid, uh, avoid near danger. So, I don't know. I, I enjoyed it, but it felt like he really enjoyed the results. So, I mean, that, that to me was worth it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he could have got sent off. A lot of people in this match could have gotten sent off. Like, <laughs> not, not just him. So, uh, he just was, uh, to Brandon's point, maybe he had one too many cups of coffee. That's what we'll call, right? Uh, maybe, maybe Enzo giving some matcha right for the match. He just wasn't ready for it. A little bit of a spark. Obviously we want to talk about the officiating in VAR. I mean, I know we've complained about it a lot this season. Obviously not the only ones, but this was just weird, right? Like today was just confusing on so many levels. Um, and so we can run through it, but I mean, the big one, I mean, there's a couple big ones, I guess, right? Like, Dan, the the first one on Mudrick's penalty. I mean, at no point did James Milner touch the ball. A thousand percent a penalty. The fact that we were debating whether or not it was a penalty. I mean, look, you could have more debate in the college football playoff selection committee about oh the relevance of Florida State. I thought you said once. Oh, over under 10 mentions today. Jeez. <laughs> Um, but the, the big one was he got it right. So I was like, oh, okay, here we go. You know, people think it's a little bit controversial where it went off the rails was in injury time, right? This Levi Colwell cross hit him in the face. He was telling everyone like, no, 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 I'm good. It hit me in the face. Every replay. Then like you get the reverse angle that VAR was looking at. You're like, mm, that looks weird, but it definitely hit him in the face. Pawson. Oh my God. If he was an air traffic controller, like we'd all be dead. I mean, the, the ball clearly hits him in the face. He awards he award, he had awarded the penalty, and then was sent to the monitor because apparently VAR couldn't determine on their own without him looking at it that it hit Levi Colwell in the face, and so he had to go over to the monitor. And what's really interesting, and I think this is just a product of this new world that we live in, the ball goes out for a corner, but because the call on the field was overturned. Uh, he essentially had to restart play with the drop ball. And that's why they were furious is because none of like, no one knew that was a rule um, after a, a call like that had been overturned. And so do we apparently do we give half credit for getting that part of the rule, right? <laughs> I, yeah. I, the fact that he got that part, right. And had to really look at the ball hitting Levi in the face. And, and again, you're looking at this while it's downpouring and you clearly see the ball spray off of his dome. And like, it's just, it's comical, man. And like, also why is this footage so grainy that we're looking at? Why was it from the weirdest possible angle? Why? Like if you're going to invest in VAR, I say, is it from ESPN Plus? Because 
<laughs> it no, looks no, it's, like it's it. from it's from the phone. So like when you're getting a package delivered and it's like pixelated, <laughs> like that's the that's the quality <laughs> of the type of video that we're trying to use to determine multi million dollar decisions because this will consistently happen and lead to just a erosion further erosion in trust in the results and the sporting integrity if they can't get it right. It's, it's terrible. It's a, it's such a bad experience. And then at, because of all the ineptitude that happened throughout this match, all the fouls, all the bullshit, 10 added minutes, like where did they pull 10 added minutes from? There, it was wild. I mean, to- from themselves, I suppose. <laughs> like, uh, you know, you had the penalty, you had that review, um, you know, they had a bunch of subs, but again, four of them were at the same time. So it, it, it's just, it, and it's everywhere too. Like we all saw city spurs, right? In stoppage mm. time. Awful. So this is a league wide problem. Uh, we had one of our amazing listeners today. Uh, I was tweeting about this and he was like, Hey, I'm new to the game. I don't know. It's a foul, a yellow card or a penalty or a VAR. And I was like, oh, my man, this is Look, the worst year. Worst year club, to come pal. into it. I was like, we're here for you. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like the people trying to watch the game are going, I have no idea. And then did you see Pawson come out of the, the, the VAR monitor. He goes, eh, like the most gingerly pointed. And, and it was just a mess. And no one still knew what was going on. And the Brighton fans were losing, or the players were losing their mind. Dan, that's when I knew, hey, all is well. They are pissed. That means it's not a goal. Um, but I'm going to let you have uh, Potch's breakdown on this because there was just so, so much. Yeah, he asked the question, why did they give the penalty and then check VAR? It's difficult to understand why. It's not to complain or to criticize. I think choosing his words wisely so that he does not get a little uh, late Christmas withdrawal from the FA for his words against the referees or the officials, then followed up with why was the penalty of Mudrick waiting for VAR? And then he gave the handball. It's so weird the way we use VAR sometimes. We need to be happy after a win. So I think, yeah, putting the bow on it nicely that like, yes, we have to take our result, but just questioning how this all works. And you hope that enough questions are asked by, owners and by managers and by players to a certain point that maybe something happens, but given how slow and unwilling uh, Howard Webb and the organization are to change, Nick, I don't think the PGMOL has this as a high priority to resolve. Uh, My man, just uh, go uh, shorthand. If I speak, I am in big trouble. Uh, That that was Jose's line. It got him out of a bunch of stuff. So um, yeah, it's, it's shit. I mean, it's it's such a bad experience. You know, it, good good friend of the pod, uh, Rick Lanville's birthday today. That couldn't have been fun, standing in the rain for an additional 85 minutes while they try and figure out VAR. I mean, just, yeah, just, it's so bad. And and again, like, to, to the point, you know, we, we've all been watching this for almost 20 years. Like, I I don't know what anything is anymore either. I mean, the fact that they went to VAR for a ball that clearly hit Levi in the face and they weren't able to just radio down and go, uh, hey, uh, Pawson, it hit him right in the dome and you can see that it hit him in the dome. Like, why would you award that penalty if you're not sure? <laughs> it, it, it's it's incredible. So, yeah, I just got to keep banging the drum because you got to fix this shit. I, I mean, everyone, everyone's complaining every single week. Um you know, Pep went off. I'm sure Klopp was thrilled through the teeth per usual. Um, it, it's just, 
I don't know. It, it's broken. Like it is from top to bottom broken. And uh, today, though, I didn't want to say too much, especially during the match, because everything went our way. Or you could say everything went right, which ended up being our way. So there was no shot. I was jinxing any of this while the match was still on. Until that final whistle hit in like the 103rd, 4th, 5th minute, I wasn't saying anything. Uh, so we we survived. All right. If it's a win, we're in. Dan of the match. What'd you do, Dan? Well, as you alluded to earlier, you took the reins on this and gave us a poll with Enzo, Colwell, Mudrick, and Sanchez. And look, as much as you try to get Bob his recognition, he only finished second place with just just about 9% of the total. It was Colwell with 5%, Mudrick with 5.1%, and then Enzo running away with it on the day, sorry, 81.3%. Uh, I think people had some shouts for Thiago Silva. Might have been worth a little bit of a one in here with the way the defense played. But I, I see what you're doing. You were trying to make sure there was some good re- representation from across the pitch, and I appreciate that. Mainly because Silva's been in so many, many times. Uh, Sanchez hasn't. Plus, I was a little A-B test. I wanted to see what people would say, how it would go. Nick, you surprised he got second? <laughs> he didn't score a goal. Uh, No. I, I, I think I would have thrown... Tiago in there for sure. Um, the club put Caicedo in. That shit house. <laughs> <laughs> that is shit house. I like. I mean, I like it. Nice no, job. no. All three Brighton players making it in, like former Brighton players or former play, you know Chelsea players on Brighton at loan. That would have been the way to go. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, that's good. I, again, it's Enzo. He ran away with it. There can't be that many complaints. Oh, so, so good and so funny. Um, cool. Well, a lot happened this weekend, uh, for those of you not paying attention. <laughs> Wild weekend. Yeah. Nick, run us through it. What all What all went down? Uh, Arsenal barely escaped with a win over Wolves. Very unfortunate for Wolves to not equalize in that game, which is obvious bullshit. We hate them, so that's cool. Um, Brentford, 3-1 over Luton. Luton's uh, <laughs> run continues. That's going to be tough. Let's talk about Sheffield United for a second. Uh, They have uh, less points at this point than Derby did uh, in their catastrophic season in 04. Uh, Burnley pasted them 5-0, which is not really where you want to be in a bottom-of-the-table clash. Sheffield United had a red card in that game, and were genuinely horrible to watch. I mean, they're very bad. Uh, There's no doubt they're going to give us their best game of the season, so just mark that down. But uh, that was horrible. Remember Everton, when Sheffield were fun because they had like overlapping center backs? <laughs> yeah, not anymore. No. Football's not fun for them, uh, to quote, remember the Titans. Uh, Forrest and Everton was about the most dull 1 0 that you could ever witness. Uh, Newcastle, United was actually a pretty fun 1 0, and we have United on Wednesday. So that was uh, nice to see them lose. Uh, Bournemouth and Villa, there was a point in Chelsea's uh, afternoon where Bournemouth were up 2-1 over Villa and Fulham were beating Liverpool uh, 3-2. And I just wanted to end the games there. That would have been very good. But uh, Villa did claw it back 2-2. We, of course, beat Brighton. Liverpool, of course, come back. Four outstanding goals for them, by the way. And I don't like to give them credit, but they were all lasers. Uh, They come back and beat Fulham 4-3. West Ham and Palace play the most dull 1-1 draw. And then City and Tottenham. Imagine having Tottenham as your bogey team, Dan. I couldn't personally, but imagine that for someone else. That'd be terrible. That would just be an awful lot to draw. Couldn't be us. Couldn't be us. No, absolutely not. The fact that Erling Holland quote tweeted, 
the the clip and just goes WTF. Amazing. 34 million reach on that. <laughs> yeah, that's gotta get fined, right? I hope There's not. There's no doubt. Yeah. But like, I hope I hope not too, honestly. <laughs> oh my word. All right. Anyways, uh a lot to happen uh when you look at the table. Arsenal actually now in first place. Uh, City down to third. So it goes Arsenal on 33, Liverpool on 31, Man City on 30, Villa holding on to fourth with 29 points. Uh, Then it goes Tottenham, Newcastle, United, Brighton, West Ham, Chelsea in 10th, right? So we're on 19 points, um, 14 back from the top where we want to be is right in that European spot, kind of eyeing Newcastle, which is seven points. So again, results have to go our way beating United on 24 points and going up to 23 points would be massive midweek. Um, and so we'll have to, you know, there, we just have to put a run of games together. There, there's no way around it at this point. And um, you've got a little bit of momentum. It just seems one step forward, two steps back. If you said, Nick, Man United just beat or just lost to Newcastle. They got beat. So uh, maybe the momentum can play our favor. But the, the way we look at December right and how how it's shaping up like chelsea need to go on a run exactly to your point right so this is it if you can connect united then you play everton who have a little bit of life in them then you play sheffield united then you go into the efl cup right like before we get into the christmas time big 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 matches would love to at least get a point out of united and i think that that would be like the minimum expectation on that one Trying to see, is it, uh, it's at Old Trafford, so it's away. Yeah, the other thing to consider is outside of Newcastle in the Cup, we're not playing a team in the top half of the table until the end of January at this point, other than United. And we got another favorable draw in that fake cup with Preston, Preston North End. Yeah. This is the time to catapult up. And particularly, we did the right thing against Brighton that we did against Tottenham that we were not able to do against Newcastle, if we can do it against Man United, is you're picking up points, the three, against the team that is above you in the table, and you're limiting them from getting three. So your maximum potential points remains higher than that individual team. So like this is, this is the way to climb, and it's hard, and it's not going to feel like we're making leaps and bounds jumps because we're multiple games in the season now. It's not like the first five or six weeks where you win one game and you jump up three or four spots. It's not going to do that at this point. It's going to be a hard road to go down nick to make the jump from 10th to 9th and 9th to 8th but like it is there for this team to go out and do it you just have to win the game in front of you 100 percent. i mean we're three points behind brighton in eighth we're five points behind united in seventh and we're seven points behind newcastle in sixth it's right there and spurs are, are free falling i mean this is you know again you start you start stringing some wins together and you get out of fucking tenth place, where it feels like we've been the entire season, uh, and thing I, I would guarantee you the mood would start to lift. You add in Kunku back, the mood lifts even more. Like I don't think we're going to see him for a little while, just because you know it's it's he's he's kind of doing his preseason right now, and I'm sure getting fit and trusting that knee again. But this is this is the the go time for this team. We've played a lot of difficult matches as of late, been through a bit of a, a murderer's row. Of, of teams beat United because they are beatable as hell go on a bit of a run and you know God think about some of this uh, you know 
nonsense before before the FA Cup match in January. Like you could be in a, a much better position, maybe in eighth, maybe in seventh or something like that. And then the second half of the year is there for you, you know? Um, so, you know, I know we kind of roller coaster with the results. Last week was tough. This week was much better in terms of results. But, you know, the team has to get healthy and they have to stay on the fucking pitch. 11. I want 11 to stay on the pitch against United. I want us to bury that team at Old Trafford and uh, see if we can start to to flip positions and, and get up the table. Yeah, I was trying to see if there's like anyone's going to come back from injury, and I, it doesn't really look like it. Um, you know, and Kunku is kind of the ghost. He's the yellow flag in FPL, which says he's 50-50, but, you know, Lavi is down to 25%, and uh, Gusto is completely unknown. Obviously, Chilwell's long-term unknown. Chalaba, I, I don't think we'll see him again this season, unfortunately. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Fofana, we're not expecting to see anytime soon. Gallagher's suspended, and... Chuck Omeka. I thought he was close to coming back, and now he's back on the the full injury regiment where they're not even giving an update, which is ugh, absolute, absolutely sucks. But anyways, that that's it for us. We again, fun match review. Love talking shit to Brighton, uh, especially after the summer that they put us through. Um, so glad that the team were able to rally uh, with backs against the wall down down a player for so long. Uh, Gather Brown Khan, he'll be back. We're going to need him this season. Let's not write him off. That would be quite short-sighted. But to you guys' point, discipline needs to get in check somehow. We're going to have to figure out how we get there. But anyways, uh, again, five-star reviews, Discord, YouTube. Check it all out. We're having a blast. Hope you are too. Midweek match, we'll be there, plus so much more content this week. Uh, but that's going to wrap. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Get the blue flag flying high.